All right, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. We are... Uh, We are blessed at Northwest uh, with many things. There's many things that make this church special. One of the ones that I often talk about to people when they ask me, uh, how's your church? How's your ministry? Um, And it's, you know, what they're kind of asking is, are you one of those ministers that like feels called to do what you do and enjoys what you're doing and where you're doing it with? And I'll say, well, I'm at the church I, I grew up at. I've been there my whole life. And they'll kind of go, and it's good. Yeah, it's great. I, I like almost all of them, and almost all of them like me, and so it's going pretty well. Um, but one of the things that I tell people is that I'm blessed to work with great leaders at Northwest Church of Christ. And that's been true for as long as I've been here. Northwest has long had uh, incredible shepherds, incredible deacons, incredible leaders in its ministries. And that makes all the difference uh, for me as a minister working here. We have leaders at Northwest that I know have blessed many of your lives. Uh, leaders who are prayer warriors, humble and servant-hearted, leaders who are passionate about caring for the flock. We've got leaders here that are uh, convicted that we need to be spreading the gospel and seeking and saving the lost the way that Jesus has called us to do. And so there's this long tradition of great leaders at Northwest, and it's one of the real strengths of our congregation. Well, the elders at Northwest Uh, have been praying and talking for several years, really, about the next generation of leaders at Northwest. Uh, About a year ago, they invited all of the elders, ministers, deacons, and their spouses into a long day studying about servant leaders in the New Testament, uh, studying about servant leaders throughout church history, uh, and what we could learn from that, what it meant for the church then, and what it means for the church today. Uh, Today, we're inviting all of the congregation into that conversation and all of the congregation into that study about what the Bible says about elders and about deacons, about being leaders in the church uh, then and now. And so this fall, one of the reasons we're talking about all of this now is that this fall, our elders are going to invite the congregation into a process to appoint new elders. Uh, We've had, uh, several years ago, we had eight shepherds here at Northwest. Uh, We currently have four that are serving. Uh, Dennis is our uh, rookie, has been here seven years serving as a shepherd at Northwest. Dennis and Kevin uh, have been, I believe, 19 years. Is that about right? Just short of 20, I think. Uh, And then Bill Brown uh, started serving as an elder at Northwest in 1976. And so he's watching uh, from the Northeast U.S. today. In 1976, for those of you that are counting on your fingers, that's 46 years ago, Bill Brown became an elder. Um, Just out of curiosity, how many of you are younger than 46 or younger in the room? Yeah, your entire life, Bill Brown has been a Northwest Church of Christ elder. Uh, And it really says something about his commitment and his character And he's been through generations of elderships at Northwest uh, and and would love to talk to you about that over donuts sometime. When these men, each of them became elders, uh, they had more hair and darker hair. Uh, They had had very different life experiences that brought them to the place that they were at that time. And I can tell you that the experience of shepherding has not left them unchanged. It is a a humbling experience 
uh, serving alongside these men and, and watching them pray and watching them care for the flock, watching them grow as individuals as they seek to help the church to grow as a body. Uh, but they've reached a place uh, where they're ready to have some others come alongside them and join them in the eldership where they want others who are biblically qualified men who are looking to serve in this way, who feel called and gifted, and who would be a good fit with the leadership that they're already bringing at Northwest to join that group. And so here in the next couple of months, uh, probably end of October and November into December, we're going to be entering into a process uh, to figure out who the next shepherds of Northwest Church of Christ are going to be. Uh, we're still working on the details of that, and we'll get into most of those later as we get closer to that. But I want you to know, going into it, that it will be a process that, that invites the congregation into discerning who these next shepherds will be. It will be a process. One of the changes that's going to be uh, part of this process is that it's going to be a regularly scheduled event in the life of Northwest going forward. Uh, we've been talking about this a little bit recently, and the shepherds are all on board with, with something like every four years, uh, asking the congregation, are there biblically qualified and called men who want to be shepherds at Northwest? And making that part of the rhythm of our church is that discipleship and that calling and that invitation. And sometimes there may not be, and sometimes there may be, and sometimes at the end of four years, one of the shepherds might say, boy, I need, I need a little bit of a Sabbath. I need a little bit of a rest. And they may step aside for the season and maybe come back in another time. But that's going to be part of the process that Northwest considers. And again, we'll get more into that later. But I, I want you to know that those things are coming as we consider who will be the next generation uh, of leaders at Northwest. They also want to plan to appoint new deacons. And the word deacon is really an English word that comes from the Greek word diakonos. Uh, we didn't ever translate it. It really should be either servant, deacon, or minister. Uh, we just left it deacon in a lot of the occasions where we translate it. We'll get into some of that here in a little bit. Uh, but it's time to appoint new servant leaders at Northwest. Uh, the last time that we appointed deacons was during the pandemic. You might remember that we didn't do it in this room. We actually appointed our deacons out in the parking lot, standing on a trailer uh, with a microphone. And uh, it was a great day. Many great servant leaders were appointed on that day. I think it was seven, which is super biblical. And so that's really good. That's how you know you have the right number. Uh, one of you was being considered, and we were like, no, we can't do eight. I'm just kidding. Um, it was, I believe it was seven deacons. What we said on that day was that these, this group that was being appointed uh, was a group that was already doing the spirit-led work of servant leading at Northwest Church of Christ. They were already doing the work of deaconing at the church, and we just weren't able to give them the name. And one of the reasons we hadn't been able to do that is we had been waiting for a time uh, when we could do and have a much fuller conversation and study about deacons in the New Testament. But we didn't feel like we could do that study uh, in the middle of a global pandemic where we couldn't very easily sit knee to knee and eye to eye and heart to heart and have some real good conversations and studies about deacons in the New Testament. And so at this time, one of the things we said then out in the parking lot was we know we need a more full study of the role of deacons in the New Testament and for Northwest today. That is coming soon. We know we need to do it, but we've got to get back in the building first so we can really have a heart to heart study 
uh, about this, where we can really get next to one another in the Word and go through some of what Scripture says about this. Uh, so here we are, three years later, and I guess that's what soon looks like today, because here we are. Uh, we're launching this study at Northwest. Uh, we're going to be getting in and looking at what the Bible says about deacons. Um, the thing that makes this important and necessary is this. Uh, having grown up at Northwest uh, with Bill Day preaching here for many years, uh, Bill Day in his preaching and his teaching uh, for many years would say that there were women serving as deacons in the New Testament. Uh, that became part of the common teaching of Northwest, is that from this stage in many classrooms, people have said here for years, we believe there are women serving as deacons in the New Testament. Uh, we believe that there are women at Northwest today who are serving as deacons, but without any kind of a title or any kind of a, a role assigned to them. They're just doing it because God called them and they said, let's go. But the, the other common teaching at Northwest was that out of a desire for unity, and this is a biblical desire for unity, that it would be too divisive to change that long-standing tradition at Northwest of not having women that are called deacons, even though they were doing the work and they were some in the New Testament who were that uh, in the belief of, of many of our preachers and teachers. The, the idea was that out of a desire for unity, we would not have women deacons at Northwest. Well, the reason we need to do a study now is that the elders believe that the circumstances of those teachings have changed in Northwest. I don't mean the Bible has changed. The Bible has not changed. Some of our translations are giving us some challenges, and we're going to get into to some of those. Um, what's really changed is that it's not as divisive at Northwest. We've been talking about this a long time. It's not as divisive to say that there were women deacons in the New Testament, and we need to look at having women deacons at Northwest. Uh, there is also uh, a dynamic that is different where uh, the scripture, as we're going to study it, I think you're going to say, man, I didn't realize that's what the Bible said about this. I didn't realize that scripture is more permissive and supportive of this idea than I'd realized in the past. Uh, we're going to get into those things. Uh, the elders believe that it has become in many ways divisive to not have this study in this conversation. There have been so many occasions where often young women have said, are there women serving as deacons in the New Testament? Yes. yes. Is that what we believe? Are we a New Testament church? Yes. Can I serve as a deacon at Northwest? No. And that's been a difficult thing to, to work through and, and to wrestle with. And the elders believe that the time has come that we start bringing our practice and the scriptural teaching into more of an alignment where we can say yes to all the questions that are being asked. But I do want you to know that as the shepherds are ready to go into these studies, ready to go into these conversations, uh, that all of our church leaders that have been in this come to this study and conversation from different points of view. Uh, Different individuals thought differently about it five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. 
but that in recent years, we've been studying scripture, we've been praying with one another, we've been studying what the church was doing very early on in its practice, and, and exploring what does this mean about the Christians in the New Testament? What does this mean about the earliest Christians who were reading the Bible? And what does this mean for us when we're reading the Bible and thinking about these questions today? Uh, as we studied more and more, what began to happen was that the Bible has moved your ministers and shepherds into a unified position on this, where there is a lot of similarity uh, that we are all very different from where we began, and yet we find ourselves arriving at a very similar place in what women were doing and serving as, as deacons in the New Testament and what that means for women serving as deacons at Northwest. And so that study has been important to us. Uh, we're going to be inviting you for the next month into that study and that conversation. Um, at times, I, I, there's not really a way to get around this. Uh, we've been studying this off and on for several years. At times, this is going to feel like a little bit of a crash course, especially today. Uh, there's just not a way to get around that uh, without me inviting you into a four-hour study that you didn't sign up for. Uh, so I'll release you from that. Uh, but as we kind of go over a preview and a roadmap of where we're headed in this study today, you're going to have a couple times that you think, boy, you're going to have to convince me of that. That's exactly the opportunity I want you to give us, that you would give us the opportunity to show you how we've come to the conclusions that we've come to. And I want to assure you that we've arrived at those conclusions from studying the Bible not going out into the world and finding out what is popular and then saying, okay, how can we find loopholes to make this okay? Amen. This is not culture driving the church to right. reinterpret no. scripture. Right. I think when we really get into it, what you're going to find is that culture has influenced it in other directions in the past that we need to really kind of call out and address uh, and deal with some of those things from, uh, from history. But our study will be rooted first and foremost in the New Testament texts about uh, women and servants and leaders and Christian unity and being willing to have tough conversations about topics that I think can really open the door for incredible opportunity. Incredible. For more voices to be at the table, I do think that there are missional and cultural advantages for churches that are willing to be honest about doing uh, New Testament things with New Testament names and in New Testament ways. I think there's something that's going to be uh, missional and exciting about a, a big study for our congregation. Um, there may be some road bumps and challenges, and, and we're ready for those too. We're ready to have some of these deep and meaningful conversations. And so how is it, what's it going to look like? Uh, the first thing you need to know is that we're going to have for the next three weeks on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Uh, digging deeper Bible study. Uh, Dennis and I are going to be co-teaching this study. We're going to be getting into the text. We're going to be getting into some first century documents. We're going to be getting into a little bit of Greek. Um, I, I thank you. Will you thank me after we've done a little bit of Greek and you see if you still enjoy it. The reason we have to do that is because the, the original authors wrote to an original audience that spoke the same language and they wrote and received with quite a bit of clarity. Uh, we read today through translators and interpreters in the biblical text. Now, 
Please don't hear me say you can't trust the translations. The translations that we have continue to get increasingly more accurate and true to the original text as we get farther away because our manuscripts that we have keep improving as we find them and compare them and get back to the original author's wording and intents. But a lot of translations were written into English uh, during the 1700s. And the 1700s might have looked at their context and said, man, women deacons doesn't make any sense in the church today. Paul must have meant something else. And it's taken a while for Bible translations to revisit some of those translation issues uh, and to change them. So the NIV is one of the first ones uh, to really start exploring that. Well, the NIV was, uh, was published uh, a few months after I was born. Um, which is to say, not that long ago, <laughs> right? Not that long ago, about 40 years ago. Um, so if churches developed their views on women serving in these roles 50 years ago, we've got different access to Scripture than they did when they made those decisions. So it's time to revisit those texts in honest truthful, Bible-believing ways. We're going to be doing that over the next three weeks. Dennis and I will be leading that study. We're inviting all of our adult Bible classes to come in and to join that. Laura's working on some stuff for the children's ministry, so if you're teaching, uh, get with her. She wants you to be able to come in and be a part of this study. Uh, it's being a, it, we're making it a priority to get all of us together studying this material. The other thing that you need to know is that in that study, we are not going to be able to answer all of your tough questions. We want to. So there's two things we're going to do to get to some of the real questions that some of you are kind of right now uh, making a list of in your heads. Keep that list going. We want to talk about them. The first thing we're going to do is we'll have a little bit of room for interaction in our teaching because Dennis and I can't help it. Um, but if it gets to where we're getting a lot into questions, we're not going to be able to cover all the material. Uh, so each week, we'll have a form where you can ask the questions you want. The next week, we'll start with the best questions from the previous week and, and go through a few of those. Uh, if there's a lot of them, we may even answer some of them uh, in text form and other things. Uh, but the other thing that we're doing, in addition to taking all of your questions on that and, and picking the best of them to do in the class, is we're inviting you to what we're calling shepherd conversations. And so in each of the next four weeks, there's a time... Uh, for the next three weeks, it's Wednesdays at 5, so you can just come to that and then go to Alpha or your other Bible classes. Um, but Wednesdays at 5, you can come and meet with the shepherds. And this is where we're going to have room for more face-to-face, heart-to-heart, open-heart, open-mind conversations where you can share why you feel frustrated about this or why you feel excited about this or what questions you have. And we can get shoulder to shoulder with the Bible next to us and kind of say, let's look at what you're asking. Let's think about what you're thinking about. And, and it's going to be, there's not going to be like a script for that session. It's going to be an opportunity for us to have a conversation. The elders and, and myself will be there for those uh, each week. The final one is on a Sunday so that if there's someone who can't get off work for any of the others and wants to do it, uh, after our last Digging Deeper study, that evening, um, when it was October 15th, uh, that's a Sunday, so we'll do that one in that afternoon or evening. Please, if this is causing you anxiety, come talk to us about it. 
And it's not only about, these conversations are not just about a debate to figure out who's right, the old way or the new way or some other way or, or whatever. It's, it's an opportunity for us to listen to each other. Um, so if you come to that, uh, don't feel like you're just going to be told why what you believe or feel is wrong. It's going to be a space where we're really kind of working through this as a church family, as a church community together. Um, the first one of those is this Wednesday. It's this Wednesday at 5. We didn't want it to be too far away, so at this point, we're not going to be very far in, in kind of the study, uh, but you, still, you may have a lot of thoughts or questions about it. Uh, so here's the thing. Today or tomorrow, if you call up one of our shepherds or one of our ministers and you say, I've got a lot of questions, you've got some splaining to do, you know, Lucy Ball style, um, what, what we're wanting our shepherds and ministers to do is say, I am so glad you have those questions. Please come to the shepherd conversation time Wednesday at 5. Please come to the deeper digging study coming up on Sunday mornings. That's a great question, and we're going to answer that probably in week two. We may answer that, and if you want to talk about it before, come to the shepherd conversation on Wednesday at 5. And it's not because we don't want to be answering your questions. The reason is that this will help our leaders answer some of the most important questions with clarity, with unity. It will allow them to clarify one another's comments uh, so that you're not calling each of the elders and going, ha ha, I caught one of you saying something different. Now I'm going to tell the others, what, you know, we're not, we're not going to do that. We're going to do it in a room together, um, listening to one another. It's also going to keep them from having to answer the same most important questions over and over and over again because it'll be a space where people can say, man, I'm glad you have that question too. And, and we can be comfortable answering some of those difficult questions together. Uh, so please utilize that time. Um, it doesn't mean you're not allowed to talk to them. Feel free to talk to them. But really when it comes to the, the heavier questions about this, we want to kind of aim it towards those spaces so we can do it as a community with unity. Uh, we want to talk about it. We want to study it. Please keep listening, and, and please let us keep listening to you. We really do want to do that. Uh, I want to give you a, a brief, at this point, scope of the study. Here's what we're studying, and here's what we're not studying. And then I'll give you a preview of the three lessons that are coming up in the Digging Deeper. And I'm going to kind of blast through this. So here's the crash course part. Uh, the scope of this study is this. We are not, if you, you know, call someone in your family today and say, boy, I, I can't believe it. My church just started a study on women's roles. We're not starting a study on women's roles. And here's what I mean when I say that. That's kind of, if you're new to church, you're like, what are you talking about? Here's what I'm talking about. Um, there's a whole lot of questions about what women can do in the worship assembly and in the home and in different contexts. This is, that's a very important conversation but it's not part of the scope of this study. And here's why. It's not because the elders and ministers don't want to go into that study, but the, the truth is uh, that that study would take more than three weeks. Um, that study is a little bit more complex scripturally. And so there's times in Paul's writing where he is celebrating uh, the missional work of women, the women who are co-soldiers and co-workers with him in the gospel. And, and there's times that he's saying other things about them having limited roles in the church. And so when we look at Paul's view on the larger role of, of women in all kinds of areas of the church, that's a great study and conversation. Um, but it's a complicated one. And it's one that would take longer. Uh, and, and the leadership has studied it as individuals, but at this point, not as a group. And so there's not a timetable for that topic. Um, this is a study about women serving as deacons. 
That is the scope of this study. Uh, and so if we get to a lot of, well, what about, well, what abouts? We're going to point those into our shepherding conversations, and we can have those conversations. Um, but we're not at a place that we're ready to do that. And we also think uh, that unity has been a driving force in this conversation from the beginning. Uh, and unity on that topic is tougher to get to in a church that's been established and has had traditions and things for many, many years. Uh, and so what we're going to be doing is limiting the scope of this study to the role of women serving as deacons in the New Testament and at Northwest. Um, if you want to study about that, make time in my office. There's not a chapter of the Bible that is off limits for study uh, in my office or with our shepherds, uh, but it's just not part of what we're doing this month. And so we're going to kind of limit that. So what will we be studying then? Here's your three-study preview. Uh, the first week, we're really going to be looking at that Greek word, and I mentioned it earlier, diokonos, and Dennis is going to be a little bit more our Greek expert and scholar, and I'll follow whatever pronunciations he inflicts upon me as we kind of go on this journey together. But this word in Greek means servant. Uh, it is translated in English at times as deacon, and it has been translated at times as minister. Uh, one of my favorite of these uh, is, is actually Matthew 20, verse 25 and 26. Uh, this text, Jesus is teaching, and he calls them together, and he says, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your diokonos, must be your deacon, must be your servant, must be your minister. One of those words has been translated in there over the years. Uh, for a long time in English translations, they translated as minister. Why do you think they did that? Well, the ministers were translated it. They wanted to be the greatest. So they just stuck their title in there. Well, most of the time now, it's translated as servant. It's not tied to a congregation or a church office. And so it has the idea that any of you who serves becomes the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. But it's, it's tricky to interpret that text. You see also uh, in another one, here's another example, uh, Colossians 1 and 23. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has become proclaimed to you, proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a diakonos. Well, is it deacon? Was Paul a deacon? Is it minister? Was Paul a minister? Or is it just Paul saying that he has become a servant? We're going to look at that. In 1 Timothy 3, verses 8 and 9, this is the passage that famously gives the qualifications and character description of deacons in churches. In that same way, the Okonos are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not, judging in, not indulging in much wine, not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith and with a clear conscience. Well, we translate that almost always deacon because it's tied to this kind of leadership role, specifically in some churches. It's right after the description of overseers, which we think of as shepherds or uh, as elders. And so that's how we've translated it. It could be servants, it could be ministers. Those options exist, but this translation work has to be done into English. And then the cultural translation has to be done for each church and thinking, how do we live this out? So we're gonna have to study that passage a little bit more and a little bit deeper. 
And then the last one I put up here, and there's like, I think, 23 different passages that include this word. We'll probably have all of them available for you to kind of look at next Sunday. Uh, We won't work through all of them as a group. We don't have time. And at some point becomes repetitive. Uh, But in Romans 16, Paul's writing and he says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a diokonos of the church in Sincrae. Is he saying that she's a minister or that she is a deacon at Sincrae, or is he saying that she's a servant at Sincrae? Uh, we need to get in and study how that phrasing might lead us to one conclusion or another. Uh, next week, we're going to be looking at this passage and many others and, and exploring what does this word tell us about the people who are being described there uh, as diokonos, as servants or deacons. So that's most of Uh, of next week's study is just getting into understanding how the translation of that word has got us in a lot of trouble over 2,000 years and how it has the potential to lead us forward in the next years. Uh, The second week, our study is going to really be looking at the role and qualification of deacons. Uh, We're going to spend a lot of time in 1 Timothy chapter 3, especially verses 9 through 12. In this passage, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 9 through 12 Uh, It gives the qualifications of deacons that we all know so well. In the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and then if there is nothing against them, let them serve as diokonos, as deacons. In the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children and his household well. So the topic of verses 9 through 12 is deacons and the qualifications. When this was first translated into English in early translations several hundred years ago, uh, the churches of those days looked around and went, there aren't any women deacons. What could this word in Greek, gunekos, what could that possibly mean in this context, because he's talking about women in the middle of a section about deacons, what do we do with that? They came up with a solution. What they decided was that Paul had a typo and that he had misspelled the word that he put there and that what Paul had meant to write was wives. And so they translated it as wives. The problem with translating it as wives is that Paul didn't write wives and his Timothy, when he read it, didn't read wives. They both read women. Uh, you can see the Greek on the, the, the screen here. I don't know if you can see it. Uh, these are the two different words. The top word, gunekas, is the word that Paul uses for women there. Uh, and it just means uh, it's a noun form. Uh, it's not possessive. It's a noun accusative form. That doesn't. So what you need to know is it's, it's just women. Uh, if he had wanted to say their wives, he could have used a different word altogether uh, that means wives, or he could have said uh, gunekon, which is a different word. It's like adding a possessive form to the noun, and it communicates their women or their wives. And so the translators, a couple hundred years ago, went, uh, women, if we leave this women, some people might think that he's saying women deacons because the context really pushes us in that direction. Well, let's fix it by just changing. I'm sure it was a misspelling by Paul. We'll just fix it. Um, Newer translations, and the more newer translations you get into of this text, you'll find very consistently, say, women with a footnote that says, or wives, uh, and that even 
Uh, newer translations of old versions, New King James and stuff, may keep wives, but they're going to have to note in there that it's or women. Uh, so that needs to be something that we look at, and we understand how that word uh, has been translated and the implications that has for our reading of that text. Uh, so that's our second week is going to be really getting into the weeds on that one. Uh, and then finally, the third week, we're going to look at uh, what we see women doing as servants, especially Phoebe in Romans 16, women uh, in the New Testament church. We're going to look at, at some of the... Uh, the stories about what women are doing in the church in the first century after Christianity. And so we have records of things uh, like Pliny. Pliny is, uh, I mean, you're excited about Pliny, Alton. Come on, man. Tell me about Pliny. Pliny was the Roman governor of Bithynia. So this is AD 112. We're talking a couple of generations, leadership-wise, after Jesus and Paul and all the influence that they leave on the world and the church. He was trying to find something illegal about Christians, and so he tortured two of the maidservants who were called deaconesses of the church in an attempt to secure information about them. Uh, we see in the Shepherd of Hermas, which is a document just eight years after that other one, very early in Christianity, uh, it was highly regarded by the church leaders as being a very authoritative Christian document, uh, it addressed the work of a woman deacon named Grapti, who ministered to the widows and orphans in her region. And so she had just been serving as that way, and, and the shepherd of Hermas acknowledged her as a deacon of the church serving in that way. Uh, Alexander Campbell, and you may or may not know a lot of Church of Christ history. If you didn't grow up in Churches of Christ, this is probably the first time you've ever heard this guy's name. Uh, Alexander Campbell is kind of a founding member, a primary influencer of Churches of Christ in the United States. A prolific writer, editor, uh, I think ran for Congress in Kentucky for a while. Uh, he is a real leader in Churches of Christ and in this country. And when he was writing, he wrote this from Romans 16.1 as well as 1 Timothy 3.11. It appears that females were constituted deaconesses in the primitive, he means early, church. Duties to females as well as males demand this. In his book, Restoring the Ancient Order of Things, he wrote, Amongst the Greeks who paid so much regard to differences of sex, female deacons or deaconesses were appointed to visit and wait upon the sisters. Writing on church organization, I say it, the church is an organized body. Its organs and are pastors or teachers, deacons and deaconesses, and for foreign missions and influence, evangelists or missionaries. So here we have uh, one of the, the real originators of Churches of Christ in this country saying, yeah, the Churches of Christ should have deaconesses and deacons and evangelists and missionaries. These are the offices that exist. And so if, if some of your concerns are, I don't think the Bible allows this, we really want to study that. If some of your concerns are the church historically hasn't done that, the church did in the beginning, it did during the Reformation movement in Europe. It did during the Restoration movement in this country, in the United States. It did in Churches of Christ. Um, something changed after the Civil War in this country, in, in the northern and southern churches. And that's about 120 years ago. And we need to look at what changed and why it changed and understand how culture has influenced the church historically to understand how we need to, to reclaim some of these scriptural truths. Um, 
what we're going to see in that third week of study is that any time the church has gotten serious over the last 2,000 years about getting back into the New Testament text and guiding them about how they're going to do practice Christianity, we see an emergence of women serving as deacons in the church. Uh, that study is what we're going to be doing in the next three weeks. If you hear that and you're like, man, you've got to really convince me that this is true, that's what we want to do. Um, if you're sitting here and you're like, I don't care what it says, I'm not changing my views on that, come to the Shepherd Conversations and let's just talk about that. Right. It's okay to be talking about these things. It's okay for us to be in different places on this conversation. We still love each other. And here's the thing, uh, there's going to be people who disagree with me on this teaching that will go spend eternity with Jesus Christ. Praise God for that. And there's going to be people that agree with me, and, and there's going to be a place for them to go spend eternity with Jesus Christ. Praise God for that. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. If we can, as a body of believers, find ways to love each other for eternity because of the grace of Jesus Christ that holds us together is greater than anything that divides us, then we can start practicing that today, yeah. even when we're at different places on things. There's room for that. There's room for that. So we're going to be studying. We're going to be having conversations. We're going to be praying together. Uh, there are people praying today that this conversation goes well at Northwest, that it's a blessing uh, to many. So please keep praying with the leaders of this church as we have this conversation. Um, I'm going to say a prayer here in just a second, and then we're going to have an invitation song. Uh, if you need to respond to the invitation, Please come forward in a moment as we sing, but let me pray before that song. Father God, I want to ask that you would continue to guide us through this study and this conversation, that your word would be given priority, that your spirit would give us both wisdom and discernment, uh, that you would not only be with us as we do this study, but that you would right now be preparing the hearts and minds and willingness of those who you've called to serve at Northwest. Father, be with us in the coming months as we select new shepherds for this congregation, as we select new servant leaders that will lead through serving others and meeting the needs of this body and of your kingdom around the world. Father, we ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. Let me add, before Evan gets up and sings, if you need a schedule with the classes and the topics and what's going on, we've got those. They're on your way out. You can just grab these. It's got all the dates, all the classes. Uh, we are going to be trying to record those in some form uh, that allows, not the conversations. The conversations are not going to be recorded or published. Uh, but the classes, the studies, will be recorded in a format that can be shared internally with our members so that we can have some honest conversations about that for our family that are not able to be here but still are part of us even at home. Uh, so at this time, if you have any need, please come forward as we stand and sing.